Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. As Chris said, today we conclude our focus series. Starting off the ministry year, the the last number of weeks, we've been looking at mission. Our purpose as a church, and we started by saying Jesus, Jesus' mission, Jesus' focus was laser-like. Jesus, right out of the gate, was very clear, and he said, I'm all about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has arrived. Jesus was and is and will ever be the embodiment of the kingdom of God. All authority was given to him from the Father. You might ask, all authority? Well, I believe that the life Jesus lived, the miracles he displayed, the love and compassion that he showed to the seeking and the needy, the courage and lack of fear he demonstrated in the face of opposition and hypocrites, and ultimately the resurrection, all made clear that yes, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth and below the earth has been given to him. Would you say amen to that? Because he is unlike any other person, prophet or leader who has ever walked the face of the earth. And I said those weeks ago when we started, the kingdom of God exists. Where Jesus the king is truly reigning, where Jesus the good shepherd is being followed, and where the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is alive and at work, increasingly being given control in our lives. And we want the reality of the kingdom of God the reality of the kingdom of the heavens, to be a reality in the lives of more and more and more people in our lives and beyond. We want to help each other and many more to know and experience the kingdom of God, the leading of Jesus by the Holy Spirit in our lives and other people's lives. And so the heart of the matter for us as a church, is to be helping people follow Jesus. Say that together with me, will you? Helping people follow Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, there are countless ways that that we could describe it, and, and we've done it with three key words. Can anyone remember them? And if you if you somehow can't quite see them in your mind's eye then maybe, maybe you could see them backwards as well. I mean in the reverse order, if you look on the other side of your mind. Will you say those uh, three words with me from, uh, from your left side? <laughs> connect, grow, engage. Authentically connecting with other people as a genuinely inviting, friendly people. Particularly on Sunday mornings, And wherever we are, any day, it's not obviously restricted to Sunday morning, 
anywhere that we are, that we would be an inviting people. And we, we looked at Jesus as he invited the, the children to come to him when the disciples were trying to push them away as an example. And then continually growing in our relationship with God, not just alone, but particularly when we meet together because where two or more are gathered together, Jesus is particularly present in order to bring unity. Because in the context where that passage is about two or three being gathered together, it's actually about reconciliation. And so where two or three are gathered together, two or more are gathered together, it's really very much including being united in Christ. And intentionally engaging, thanks to, to Pastor James uh, for teaching last week, intentionally engaging with people who are not yet followers of Jesus, getting to meet and know and genuinely care about people who maybe aren't churchy for different reasons. Maybe they used to be, and, and for some reason they, they've become disenchanted with, with church. Maybe for some reason there's, there, there's been some tragedy in their life and they, they've said, uh, I don't want any, any more to do with God. I, I'm, I'm mad at God. I'm bitter at God. Maybe need that, they need that healing balm of the, of the Holy Spirit through you, through that relationship. And who knows how long it might take. Somebody recently rejoiced telling me the incredible story that after 40 years of marriage, 40 years, maybe it was 30. <laughs> after a good number of years of, of, of marriage, <laughs> their spouse came to the Lord. So I want to encourage you I want to encourage you that it's not always quick, but praise the Lord when it is. Then we celebrate and we can be discipling. But sometimes, for whatever reason, it can take longer, but do not give up in well-doing. Do not become weary in well-doing. The Lord hears your interceding. The Lord hears your prayers. Amen? Because the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and they are effective. Put it all together in Wilmot Center Church. We want to be about helping people follow Jesus as we authentically connect, continually grow, and intentionally engage. And I, I, I want to tie in there and encourage as well to say, if you love the mission statement that we used to have, it's still on the back wall. <laughs> and I love it. Making disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. I want you to know that this new mission statement is not saying the old one is meaningless anymore. Amen? Because these words are meant just as much to connect with some very important scriptures. In fact, I, I could thank Lisa White for sending me a, a virtual Bible study this past week about how, how connecting, growing, and engaging with God himself uh, are so important for us. And what a, what a, what a precious uh, number of scriptures she sent to me by email recently. 
But in Matthew 22, Jesus said there are two great commandments in answering a, a teacher of the law who was trying to test them. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And elsewhere, he said, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Connecting is about loving our neighbor as ourselves. Growing is about loving God with all of our being. And then engaging is about Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always, says Jesus. That's why that authority is going to be present and is present for us, because Jesus said, I'll be with you always, and he's got all the authority. And so we can be confident and courageous with our faith and ministry. Now this morning we go a step further than mission. This morning is about vision. And you might wonder, some of us might wonder, aren't mission and vision the same? And to be honest, it really depends how you define them. So today the answer is no. I say that because some, sometimes people use the phrase, I'm on mission or I'm on a mission. And that sounds more like vision. But here's the distinction. We understand mission as being purpose. And that's why we said we exist for the purpose of connecting and growing and engaging in order to help people follow Jesus. That's why we're here as the church. Vision is about where that's going to take us. We know what we're to be on about, helping people follow Jesus. And vision sees what we want to become with that clear understanding of why we're here. Let me give you an example. On Thursday, I went over to the high school. I went over to WO and uh, watched some senior boys volleyball. It was fun. And as I watched the game, it reminded me of back when I was in high school. Seriously, I was actually very good at timekeeping. <laughs> One of the best. See so that little table feeling so powerful with the clock, putting up the score. Anyway, if we were to ask, what's the purpose of the volleyball team? Well, the purpose of the team, why it exists, I would guess, is the actual reason for it existing is for senior boys who are skilled at volleyball to be helped to improve their skills and play for WO against other schools. That's the purpose. The purpose is for them to be a volleyball team to play against other schools. That's the basic mission. But it became pretty obvious to me while I was watching them play what their vision might be. Because actually, they were really good. And, uh, and they dominated or I won't, I won't say, because we're public, I won't say who the other team is, because I don't want to put anybody down. But it was another team from Waterloo Region, of course. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if they have a vision for this team to be skilled and trained in order to be the best in Waterloo Region. In, in other words, in order to win their division. Maybe even to go beyond that. You know, to, to go on to the provincials. And that's the distinction between why they exist, which is to play volleyball against other schools, and where they want to end up, which is probably top of the heap. That's, that's probably their vision. Here's a, here's a pretty helpful definition of, of vision from, from George Barna. A clear mental image of a preferred or a preferable future given by God to his chosen servants based on an accurate understanding of God, people, and the circumstances. I, that's a fairly useful definition of vision. If you'd rather not be bothered with trying to memorize the cumbersome vision, let me give you one word. I think a useful synonym for the word vision is the word ambition. So if, if the mission is the purpose, then the vision is the ambition. To say, what is it that we want to achieve? What is it we want to become? Where is it we want to go? And that could be, that could be answered different ways. It could be answered quantitatively with numbers or it could be answered qualitatively. And, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to do the latter today. So what's our ambition as a church? Earlier this year, the, the elders board and the staff, we met for a retreat. And we began describing a shared vision for our church and, and how God was so faithful in bringing this all together, including this vision, which was just like a seed at the time. It was just seminal at the time. And is still growing. But it just it resonated as, as most everyone was saying the same thing. Yeah, that's that's what we want to become. That's what we want to, that's where we want to go. And it aligns with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And that's where I'm going to go today. Ephesians is the 10th book in the New Testament, letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in the region of Ephesus. I'll begin with Ephesians 4, verse 11. It was he, that is Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So briefly, let me just break these, break these ministries down, these callings down, these roles down, these giftings down. First is apostles. Are there still apostles today? There are a lot of people who would say there aren't. So please encourage them that there are. <laughs> I believe there are. Absolutely. Initially, there were 12 chosen disciples. One of them went rogue, and he betrayed Jesus. That was Judas, so he was replaced by Matthias. And those 12 became known as apostles. And they, they were people who had witnessed the risen Christ, and they were the leaders of the church. Then there was Paul. Paul is an apostle who wrote letters in the New Testament. But when we read the New Testament, we actually discover that there were other people who were identified as apostles, not just those 13. And here are some of them who are described as apostles in the New Testament. Apostle literally means messenger. 
And in that sense, all of us, in a way, are apostles. But those given the gift or the role of apostles are those people who have been particularly enabled by the Holy Spirit to break new ground, to see things that other people can't see, and to clear the brush and to clear the way in order for the church to continue to be established in new ways. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. That's exactly what he did when he toured around to various regions and cities. And he would leave behind, he said to to Timothy and to Silas and others, and he said, appoint elders everywhere you go as you see churches established. And that's where Paul went from place to place and broke ground and, 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 and he blazed trails, saw things that other people couldn't see because the Holy Spirit enabled him to say, the church needs to grow here. The church needs to be established here. Didn't necessarily have to be a big building. Could have been a small gathering. But that's the, the kind of vision and ability that God gives to apostles. And they still exist today. And I think one of the reasons that maybe we don't hear about them very much. Some of you do. But a lot of people in the church don't because we have become so accustomed, and this is maybe a little bit dangerous for me to say, but I've felt this way for many years. We have become so accustomed to churches being organized and structured in a certain way that those people who are apostles and have the apostolic gifting find themselves constrained by certain structures and strictures that don't allow the freedom for maybe what God actually wants to do. And so we need to be very careful that when when the Holy Spirit sets a fire in somebody for the church to be established and to grow, perhaps in different and new ways or in different places, because churches should be reproducing, that we need to listen very carefully if the Spirit is in that, so that He is not quenched. Amen? I believe the church needs apostolic leaders to start new missional projects. And when that happens, it will enable the release of other gifts. True apostles are servants who want to see the kingdom of Jesus spread from and in the church. And then there are prophets, and prophets are those who are particularly enabled by the Holy Spirit to bring a specific rhema word from him that God wants a person or people to hear. Man, some people have spoken some incredible words in my life, maybe in your life, where you say, how on earth did you know that? Well, that's because the Lord spoke prophetically through somebody else. And more often than not, in my experience, the the word that's given through a prophet is not expected. Now, it's not always the case. That's often the case. To some extent, again, we're all apostles as messengers. And I believe that, that all who are deeply committed to their relationship with God have the potential to be given the prophetic gift. I mean, it might not be every day. For some people, it might be very, very occasionally. And for others, 
more often. To be the bearer, the carrier of what God wants to say through the Holy Spirit, through a rhema word. Then there are evangelists. Anyone confident in your faith? Again, all of us have been called to share our faith. Any of us can be a carrier of the good news. That's what an evangelist is, literally, a carrier of the good news of Jesus. Then there are those who are particularly enabled by the Holy Spirit to communicate the good news in such a way that God very quickly uses them to bring people to himself. We need people with the gift of evangelism. And people with the gift of evangelism are not necessarily leading great big meetings. They could be moving around as individuals. Listen, brothers and sisters, we need to be praying for the greater gifts. Amen? I mean, that's what Paul said to the Corinthians when he wrote. He said, pray for the greater gifts. There's no harm in asking God for a prophetic gift. There's no harm in asking God, uh, Lord, have, have you made me entrepreneurial? Have you given me that apostolic calling? No harm in asking. Because the Holy Spirit will give according to what he knows is best. And then there are shepherds. Those particularly enabled by the Holy Spirit to give spiritual care to others. Now, you're probably not used to hearing this as shepherds. You're probably used to hearing apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors. The word is actually shepherds. And there is nowhere else in the New Testament, I will not get on my soapbox too much right now, but there is nowhere else in the New Testament where the word pastor is used. Do you know that? You know, you think, my word, with all the pastors in the world today, surely the word pastor shows up a hundred times in the New Testament. This is the only place in the New Testament where it's translated pastors. And I think, actually, that's unfortunate. Because pastor has taken on an, an epic leadership role in the church that I believe is bigger than it should be. I'll say that carefully. I'm not going to get fired too quickly, but <laughs> we need each other. But if that word had been translated shepherds, I know things would be really different today, wouldn't they? Because I wouldn't get too proud and high on my horse to say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the lead shepherd. That sounds kind of goofy, doesn't it? <laughs> but that, that title pastor has eclipsed all of the others. True pastors, in fact, I, I actually believe that elders are the ones who have been called by title and that the role of elders is to pastor because pastoring is a spiritual gift. But it seems to be out of order in my mind. We need pastors because what we need are people who have been particularly called to give spiritual care to others. And there's one standing right in the back of the room right now who is just an absolutely wonderful example of who a pastor is, and that's Pastor Wayne. Yeah, amen.
And standing not too far uh, to his right is another wonderful pastor, and her name is Dale. And then finally, there are teachers and those who are particularly enabled by the Holy Spirit to communicate biblically-based knowledge to others. Some people believe that shepherds and teachers are meant to be one, and, and I don't. Well, that's a list of leadership people in the church, including some of the spiritual gifts of leaders in the church. And there are many other roles and giftings from the Holy Spirit in the church, many of them found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and some other places as well, including Romans chapter 12, and those aren't the only places, to function effectively as the church. Uh, We have, again, we have our structures, but the organic structures that God designed that were resident and active in the early church, I believe, were based on this fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and then all of the other gifts as well. That's the outworking and the activity of the church. They bring joy to God. And they bring joy to the bearers and the ministers who carry out those activities as we're walking in the calling that God has given to us. Have you ever experienced joy doing the ministry that God has called you to? Amen. Remember what I asked a couple weeks ago for my accountability? Thank the Lord. A couple of people have reminded me already. I still have three weeks. That is that, that by the end of October, I intend to have up on our website, just for our availability, a good list of what, of what we understand and know spiritual gifts to be so that you can go and look at them and prayerfully understand what God has given to you as gifting if you don't know yet and do it with somebody who knows you well. I'll let you know when they're up. With somebody who knows you well who can say, that's you. I say, well, no, no, that's not me. Yes, it is you. I've seen that in you. And then the rest of this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 12 and 13. This is what these leaders are meant to do primarily. This has been lost, I believe, in most of the church. This has been taken right out of the structure of a lot of churches. And that is to prepare or equip God's people or the saints for works of service or ministry in order that, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. That means we've got a lot of work to do, right? Till we all reach unity in the faith. What a beautiful place to be. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What a great aspiration. This is the heart of the vision, the aspiration as we help people follow Jesus. To be a church that excels at equipping people for ministry, beginning here and in Wilmot Township, wherever we live, Waterloo Region, both locally and globally. 
that we be a church that excels at equipping people for ministry, both locally and globally. Do we have any idea? I don't think I do. What God would unleash if we live that out. Amen? As we excel at equipping people for ministry, both locally and globally. A few years ago, I was serving a, a church, and one day I bumped into a man whose, whose son was attending the youth group or was in, in, in the town, and bumped into him, and he said, oh, I stopped by the church to ask a question, and it was locked. I call it the church of the locked door. <laughs> and he said to me, isn't it a shame? Don't you think the church should always be open? I think church, uh, Chris Rutledge, our administrator, wouldn't want to hear that. <laughs> He's already here a lot. And I said to him, what do you mean? Listen, when people ask you an aggressive question, and you know that they're coming at you, you just, you just pause. And one of the best things to do is respond with a question to turn it back on them so that you're not on your heels. Jesus did that all the time. And, and we don't do that in order to trick people or in order to show them up. But as God leads us and gives us that wisdom, we can, we can end up asking some good questions. So please don't be concerned if I ever respond to you with a question. <laughs> I said, what do you mean by the church? Isn't the church people, according to the Bible, not a building? And his answer was something like, the, and I said, aren't you the church? And pretty much the same answer. And I said to him, if you had a question, you could have asked elder so-and-so, who actually lived right across the street from, or right across the road from him. I said, I, I said, I, this is not the church. I said, if the doors are locked and you know people who are the church and you are the church, isn't that a lot better than just being in a building? Amen? I know we call this the church. But that's part of the problem. If we lose the primary definition, which is that the church is God's people. Some people suggest the metaphor that a church should be like a hospital. And I think, I think we're on the right track with that, if you want a picture or a metaphor. I believe we should be so much more than that. When we had our first, let me give you an example. When we had our first child, Christopher, who lived for only a few hours, we were in London. He, he was born with, a, with a, an inoperable, a massive tumor in, in, embedded in his brain that, that they couldn't get out. Grew in the womb. But leading up to the delivery, I remember being in, 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 a, in a room where they were doing an examination. And in walked a number of students. Because this was a medical center. This was a teaching center. This was a training center. This wasn't just a hospital. And so those students came in, they were brought in to observe because they were being taught 
so that they could go from there, right? Some of their residencies, some of them were, were, were just were still students, uh, not yet ready for their residency. And they were learning so that they could take what they learned and apply it wherever they were to go. And so I believe that we should be more like a medical center, a teaching hospital that both ministers to people and teaches and trains and very intentionally equips. Would you agree with me? Sunday morning we teach, and there's a bit of equipping that takes place there. But, but the, the more personal we get, the better we can equip. I believe the more capably we can equip. The primary responsibility of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is not to get full of themselves and be very careful. We need to be discerning. People who call themselves apostles, people who call themselves prophets, some of them just want an audience. I mean, see, we see that. Some people who present themselves online. And what they want is an audience more than to be equipping the saints for works of service. That's what we ought to be doing. There is an extent to which we can all be equipped personally by the Lord. There is a phrase that concerns me when people say, I'm not getting fed. I get it. I understand. And there are some contexts in which I would probably say that too. It's been said about me. I remember a church where somebody said, I'm just not getting fed here. I'm going to go somewhere else. I didn't know how to feed them any differently. But the thing is, we should, after a certain number of years as believers, we should be able to feed ourselves, right? I mean, hopefully we, we've, we've become acquainted with the cutlery, and, and if we haven't, then we could probably just use our fingers and feed ourselves. But here's what I do want. Here's what I would rather hear somebody say. I've heard that used by so many people. I would rather hear people say, I'm not being equipped. Because if somebody says, I'm not getting fed... What they really mean is, I want to stuff my head with more information, and they're not giving it to me the way that I want it. That's often what's meant. But I almost never hear somebody say, you know what, they're not equipping anybody. I got to go somewhere where I get equipped. That is an active view of faith, not a passive one. It says, I'm going to go and sit somewhere else till somebody gives it to me the way that I want it. I want to equip people for service. This church has been known as a place that people have come for a time to experience health and healing. And I say, thank you, Lord. I know people who've said that. Oh, they say, you're a Wilmot Center. I went there for a while when I had gone through a really tough time. Then I, I experienced some healing while I was there. Praise the Lord. This church has also been known as a people who send many people into global missions. I have been so impressed by how many people we support who came from Wilmot Center Church and are still out in, in, in doing ministry, or are still going from Wilmot Center Church to do ministry. 
Praise the Lord. What a great legacy. And we need to be being that and more. A place of healing, especially for the spirit, and then by the grace and power of God, healing of the mind and the body too. A place of sending to places that the spirit calls us. A place of equipping, training, teaching for ministry and for spiritual reproduction because healthy organisms reproduce. First for our church, then into the community, and then beyond as far as the Lord directs so that countless lives will be changed and we'll have no idea what the full impact is until glory. And you know what a difference is made? When you are doing what you are designed and meant to do, there are enough grumpy people in churches, and I'm not, I, I don't know anybody here who's grumpy yet. Please don't reveal yourself. <laughs> but there are enough grumpy people in churches who are satisfied in their grumpiness and who will never be set free from that because they have determined whether they realize it or not that they would rather be grumpy than be used by the Lord to be engaged in ministry. You know how freeing and how enjoyable and how joy-filled it can be to be involved in ministry. I believe that there are a lot of sad people too who are legitimately sad, understandably sad because of circumstances that they faced in life who can find and experience joy. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the only need but who would truly experience joy in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. I've seen, we've seen that so often, how people are just filled with joy knowing that they are pleasing God, not to earn their salvation, but they are pleasing God. God is pleased and filled with joy when we're engaged in the things that he's designed us to be and to do. And it all needs to be for the purpose of helping people follow Jesus. Helping people follow Jesus. So let me give you a few examples of some of the things that we're on about, we want to be on about. Working on arranging a seminar on helping people how to share their faith. It's interesting, last week Pastor James shared about Engage, and, he, and then he told me that a few people came and talked to him about, you know, we, we, we know that we're supposed to share our faith, but can, can you help us with the how? Can you help us with what do we say? How do we start? And we're not just going to assume that everybody knows that. And it was on my heart when we were here uh, last Thursday during, during a week of prayer and we had our missions meeting. We were praying for missionaries. And it was on my heart at that point we need, we need a workshop or a seminar just to help people to say, all right, how do, I, how do I do that? Just help me, give me some tools. And the Lord laid on me, uh, on my mind, uh, somebody to go to, to talk to about that, and so that will be coming. I think that's really important for us. Uh, we've had an offer, too, to teach at length from somebody to, on how to share our faith with friends and neighbors of a completely different faith. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to having a conversation that we could set that up too. As a board, we want to establish a community outreach team. I, I, think, I think there used to be a, 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 an outreach committee and, and, and we need that reestablished. And there are building blocks that are slowly being built structurally we're seeing more and more strength and stability so that we can be moving forward and continue to move forward. Amen? And this is important. There's been increasing ministry at the Monday evening prayer time. Who, who has experienced that on Monday evening? Uh, pray, yeah, fresh wind, it's called. Praise the Lord. If you need to be prayed for, and I say that at the end of every service, but I, I encourage you also to come on Monday evening. I think there were, there were I, I was told last time there were about 20 people. And that wasn't even a week of prayer. Praise the Lord. And I, my, my desire is that along with that, there will come some natural training in certain gifts, like the prophetic. Because the prophets need to, train the prophets. The apostles need to equip the apostles. Evangelists, evangelists, pastors, pastors, teachers, teachers, and so on, as well as equipping for all of the other gifts that there are of the Spirit. And I am praying and have been praying, Lord, where do we need to do further equipping? Will you pray that prayer with with us, please? Uh, Because because we need to do that together. We need to understand where does the equipping need need to happen? Where and how do we need to specifically be helping people to be doing the wonderful ministry that God has called them to? As the musicians come, uh, let's pray together for God's leading in that regard. Thank you to those of you who talked to, to James last week and said, you know, this, what you shared today sparked these thoughts and these questions in my mind and my heart, James. And when it comes to equipping, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would, would spark that. When he would say, you know, this, this ministry or this gifting or this ability or this passion is in my heart, but I don't know what to do with it. And together we want to discover what to do with it and how to get there. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus and continue to pray that the Holy Spirit will be released among your people. Lord, that your people, God, in your mercy and your grace, would you fill your people afresh with the Holy Spirit. Lord, with your anointing. Lord, with your fire. And Lord, may it not be for our satisfaction. Lord, may it not be just just for our own personal joy even. But Lord, may it be so that you are equipping, Lord, and enabling us so that we can be equipping and enabling and helping people to follow Jesus and to be released into the ministry that you've called us to. Lord, again, I pray for that release of your spirit Lord for that anointing of the Holy Spirit Lord for the fire of your spirit
to be lit within us. That the joy of the Lord would be released. Lord, that the love of God would be released. Lord, that your words would be released through your people. Your teaching would be released. Your church would be established in new places and new ways. That people would come to you, Lord. People would run to you. People would would be in awe of what you're doing, Lord. They would be amazed at what you are doing. Lord, that worship and praise of your people would be released freely, that we would be uninhibited to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, help us to understand where and how and when we need to be equipped in order that all that you have made possible within us would be released by you, would be released by you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. For your glory, we pray. Oh, Lord, make it so, we pray. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.